Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is Tuesday morning, and we are going to put our scout hats on and tell you which running backs are good, because we are three former running backs talking about football right here on Fantasy Football Today. It's Adam, Dave, and Heath. A lot of YPC in this episode, so you know I'm excited. And basically, we're going to talk about running backs. Are they going to be workhorses? And are they any good? Is Ezekiel Elliott still good? Is Saquon Barkley still good? How good is Josh Jacobs? We're not going to tell you based on our scouting what we think, but the numbers, the advanced metrics, those types of things, the trends, what does it all mean? Anyway, good morning, guys. You ready for a segment called YPC for Life? Oh, you've been waiting your whole career for this segment. Oh, yeah. And it goes well with... But that's just an Azer stat. Yeah, I think it'll be some of those today as well. All right, YPC for life. Some of the running backs we're talking about. (laughs) What's what's wrong, Heath? I I just, like, I have already... You know know me. I prepare for these shows. I have read the notes. Uh (laughs) I know what's coming. And so often I'm shaking my head, not at what you just said, but what you're about to say. (laughs) Okay, here we go. David Montgomery has averaged 3.9 yards per carry in his career. Take out the last six games of 2020. But that's just uh. an Azer stat. <laughs> the last, remember, he had that great six-game stretch? Yes, Take out yes, that yes. six-game stretch. He's three he points. ran against like Houston yes. and... Um, week after yeah. week of crap. Topeka. Yes, exactly. 3.7 yards per carry in his career if you Honolulu. take out those six games. Heath? Uh, yeah, I mean, an Azer stat and YPC in evaluating running backs. As you said at the top of the show, we are clearly scouts and fully qualified to tell you which running backs are good. Um, and according to those stats, it sounds like David Montgomery is not. What I should have done is taken a random six-game sample out and shown you how his career average is now 4.2. But yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, you can do um, that. I, I did it I, myself. Yes. Um Listen, I think that David Montgomery, for most of his career, has been on a bad offense, behind a bad offensive line. And we saw in those final six games what it looked like when the opponents that he was playing were equal to the offense that he was on. And the the one thing that you like, you can find stats to try to explain YPC. Um, and you can tr- find stats to try to say, well, maybe this guy is better than what his yards per carry says. With Dave Montgomery, we've known since he came into the league, he's been above average to fantastic in that range, depending on which stats you look at and which years you're talking about, at avoiding and or breaking tackles. Generally speaking, I would say that players who are bad are not good at that. Yeah, he's not that good at at avoiding tackles, I don't think. 
He, I mean, I get there is there is actually an avoid metric in uh, True Media that I could look up, and I'm gonna guess he wasn't that good in 2019 or 2021, and he was good in 2020. Uh, but he is good, a good tackle breaker. He just doesn't really. He's just not that explosive. I think. I think that's what. Well, dra- but drags he does get a lot of work, and that's the name of the game oh, yeah. in fantasy football. Is that the opportunities up to this point have been really good for him? He finished 15th in PPR points per game last year, seventh two years ago. And I think that that's, I don't know if anybody really thinks that Montgomery can be a top 10 fantasy running back again in his career, but oh, he does. If, you're, if, if you're going to believe, well, yeah, he might, uh, 11 through 15th. If you draft him with the idea that he'll land somewhere in that range, low end, number one, high end, number two <laughs> type of fantasy running back. Yeah. I, I think you'll be, you're going to be good to go with Montgomery. I, I think if David, if Justin Fields, um, makes the type of improvement that I think is possible for him, then David Montgomery is this year's Joe Mixon. Yeah, I think Mixon's a great comparison. Uh, Now, this I'm doing off the top of my head, but if you look at Mixon, I think it was three years ago, he was, so that would have been 2019, he was like top 10-ish running back, and this year he was top five, and his numbers were very similar, except the touchdowns went way up because the offense was so much better. So I think it's probably what you're getting at is just, you know, he's been on like the 27th ranked offense around there each of the last three seasons and more touchdown opportunities would be really good. Um, we're going to go through these guys all one by one. I didn't mean to spend so much time on Montgomery. Right I'll get you the, uh, the avoided tackle rate. Yeah. Shortly. Do it each, each of the last three years, but, but it, the, the explosive runs are not there for David Montgomery. And I, I will expand on that a little bit later. Um, there were two running backs who finished top five last year averaging less than four yards per carry. That had not happened since 2017. Melvin Gordon was the last running back to do that. Finished top five, averaging less than four yards per carry. That's why I care about That's why everybody cares about yards per carry. I mean, you can pretend that I'm the only one, but everybody cares about it. Those two running backs were Najee Harris and James Conner. James Conner averaged a career-low 3.7 yards per carry. Najee Harris was at 3.9. Usually you don't finish top five. Both of them did because they were, well, Harris was certainly a workhorse and Connor was uh, had a very good role, especially when Edmonds was out. Uh, a few more for you here. I would, I would just oh, say, yeah. amongst those two, Connor's is easier for me to explain. When you have a split like he was a part of, where you're handling all of the short yardage work and all of the first and se- most of the first and second down carries, and another guy's coming in on passing downs and averaging five yards per carry when the defense isn't expecting the run, you would be expected to be below average in YPC. For Harris, he handled pretty much all the work. So other than the fact that the Steelers' line was bad, there's little explanation. Uh, but well, he was, it wasn't as bad as w- the Cardinals, by the way. The Cardinals had the second-worst run-blocking line in football. So that also despite, that, despite that terrible offensive line, Najee was seventh in avoided tackle rate at 30.9%. Seventh best. Mm. And way ahead of David Montgomery, who was 26th at 21.3%. What's he the also, carries on that? What happened? What's the minimum carries? 100. On 100, 100 minimum okay. carries. Thank you for pointing that out. Also, if you wanted the explosive numbers for Najee, uh, he had an explosive run on 5.9% of his carries. That wasn't very good. It's around league average, 31st. Uh, but Montgomery was worse, 4.9%. That was 43rd. We're talking out of, oh goodness, 49 running backs with at least 100 carries last year. 43rd is, ba- is right around where he's been. In his career, I mean, Dave Montgomery just doesn't rank high on 
explosive carries, but he he does he has two straight seasons with fifteen hundred or more total yards or on pace for fifteen or hundred more or more total yards. So mm-hmm. you love the work. Uh, I, I just want to challenge Heath on one thing here. Let's see: Carolina, Seattle, Chicago, and the Rams. Let's see: four games without James Conner or without Chase Edmonds. He averaged three point two yards per carry. It was not that he just was working in short yardage. He did not run efficiently last year, James Conner. Well, okay. And then I'll challenge you. Mm -hmm. I don't think when talking about YPC, you should use that as an indication of the running back. I said he didn't run efficiently last year. I didn't say he was bad. That's that's ascribing it to him. He did not run efficiently. Okay, well, what do you want me to say? And then in week and then in week seventeen, he averaged three point five yards per carry without Chase Edmonds. So it wasn't just his role. It was- no, I, I agree. It wasn't just that. I'm just saying that that makes more sense to me that the early downs back sharing with a passing downs back would have a worse yards per carry. It is, seems to be true that he was also inefficient. The Cardinals were also inefficient running the ball when Chase Edmonds is not there. They were a bad run team. They had a terrible offensive line. In that but regard. also maybe the best run team in fantasy. Yeah, a lot of touchdowns. Okay, uh, Saquon Barkley. In 25 games since his high ankle sprain in 2019, Saquon Barkley has averaged 3.9 yards per carry. How's that? Is that that stupid or, or what? No, I think that's what I said at the beginning of last year. We have not seen any evidence that Saquon Barkley is as good as he was before his injury. There isn't a single metric that is like optimistic on Saquon from last year. His avoided tackle rate is worse than any running back that we've talked about so far. His explosive rate is worse than David Montgomery's. He um, has, well, okay, here, here, here's the little silver lining that isn't really a silver lining. It's a backhanded compliment to all four of the running backs that we're talking about, Harris, Connor, Montgomery, and Saquon. Saquon had 34 rushes of zero yards or worse. That's the fewest among them. However, he also had the fewest rushes. He had the highest percentage mm. of negative rushes, zero or negative rushes among the four. I, the the biggest concern for me was that, I mean, and this wasn't a down and distance type of thing. Devontae Booker was just so, looked so much, like if you were just to watch those two guys play football last year, outside of like two or three runs for Saquon, Devontae Booker was better. And uh, here's a let me see if I can find this another thing that might give you an indication of what went wrong with Barkley. Okay, Barkley averaged behind obviously the same offensive line. Saquon Barkley averaged 0.98 yards before contact. That ranked 43rd among all players, some quarterbacks in there, but mostly running backs. 43rd uh, among all players with 100 more carries. Saquon Barkley 0.98 yards before contact. Devontae Booker was at 1.51 yards before contact, which ranked 18th. So I think a lot of people feel like Saquon Barkley is kind of always trying to hit the home run. He's a little indecisive. He's dancing around a little bit. And I think there's probably some truth to that. He was so much worse than Booker before contact. The most famous dancer of all, uh, maybe not, but Le'Veon Bell. Mm -hmm. Like he lost one step and all of a sudden that style didn't work at all anymore. Right. Right, and I think he probably had a big offensive line downgrade as well throughout his career. Uh, That's just my guess. Um, All right, Cam Akers, 2.6 yards per carry on 67 postseason carries. Ezekiel Elliott, 
He has averaged 4.1 yards per carry in his last two seasons. It's not terrible. But in that same span, Tony Pollard has averaged five yards per carry. And you want to talk about metrics. I mean, Pollard was just better than Zeke. In almost every single way. Uh, Josh Jacobs, after averaging 4.8 yards per carry as a rookie, he has averaged four yards per carry over his last two seasons. And more concerning is, for me anyway, no carry longer than 28 yards in either of his last two seasons. And that's on a pretty big amount of carries. But uh, he has not had the big playability. And he's also had a bad offensive line. Uh, So, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know who's good and who's bad, but I'm going to look at the numbers and see, and we have to make these decisions. Uh, How good can these guys be? And will they lose that workload? Will they be true workhorses? So that's a little introduction to what we're talking about. There are some other names that we'll get to. Um, in just a little bit. We do have some news as well. And we are giving you 20% off some fantasy football today merchandise. We're here to help you dominate your fantasy league all season long. And now you can represent your favorite podcast, which is hopefully us, with official fantasy football today gear only found on the CBS store. T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition Right now, Fantasy Football Today listeners will get 20% off their order at, at the CBS store, which I'll put a link to in the episode description. If you use our promo code, FANTASYFOOTBALL20. The promo code is FANTASYFOOTBALL20 at the CBS store, and you can get 20% off our cool merchandise. By the way, I thought this was a funny, funny comment. The Adam Azer Center for Runners Who Can't Run Good. That's for you Zoolander fans out there. Zoolander, guys? Zoolander? Nah. You've never seen it, or you don't like it? I've definitely seen parts of it. I don't believe I've ever watched the entire thing. Same. It's a classic. usually find something better to do. No, it's a classic. It's really good. It's really funny. But so, would you there. say Zoolander's better than The Big Lebowski? You know, I'm glad you asked that. I tried watching The Big Lebowski on a flight uh, last month, was enjoying it, Kids were, you know, being a little wild on the plane, so I couldn't watch it. But I am going to finish it, and I liked it. It was a lot better than last time. I than the first time I watched it. It got better as a movie. It's aged. You well. grew up. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I just it wasn't really for me. Uh, it was a little too hectic for me. This almost like uh, give me anxiety. But I enjoyed it. I just, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching it, and it's probably better than Zoolander. But Zoolander is really damn good. I've never heard anybody say that they got anxiety watching the Big Lebowski. Oh, come on. I mean, they go to do the money drop and they screw it yeah, up. Yeah, and it's yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's an adventure with Big Lebowski. Yeah. The dude. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, no, the dude. I was just looking this up. Um, James Connor splits from last year. Mm-hmm. He averaged 2.5 yards per carry on carries with one to three yards to gain. Only 2.1 on carries with four to six yards to gain. He was at 4.8 and 4.4 for seven to nine and 10 plus yards to gain. Okay, my first reaction is, why was he so good in the short yardage? Kyler Murray. Teams obviously have to account, teams have to account for Murray much more on short yardage than they do on third and Five, you know, that's my first reaction to that. What do you think? Um, no, I think, I mean, I, I think almost all 
first off, like 2.5 on one to three to go, I think is pretty spectacular. Yeah, very good. Like incredible. Um, and you would expect the best to be seven to 10 in terms of yards to go. But I did think it was interesting that like he had 73 carries with or 58 carries with three yards or fewer to go last year. It's a good role. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking up David Montgomery's avoid percentage. I just told it to you. No, for all three years of his career. Oh. It's 20th in 2019. I think, what'd you say? It was 29th or something in 20 or 20, somewhere in the 20s in 2021. And in his best year, it was he was sixth. Sixth best avoid percentage in uh, 2020. Probably a lot in the last six games. <laughs> okay. Big night. <laughs> big night for Heath, by the way. The biggest Celtics fan in the world is going to, at age 40-ish, his first Celtics game. That blows my mind. I cannot believe you've never been to a Celtics game, but I'm really excited for you. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. As Dave said, they don't come to Missouri very often. And the last uh, six years, I've not... I mean, like the first third of the season's kind of out for me because of football season. Mm-hmm. And then... I took my kid to a Warriors game because he was a Warriors fan. We went to a Bucks get Heat game because I got cheap tickets. But I thought, you know, I've never been to a Celtics game. They're here for the first round of the playoffs. So we're going to go do it. All right. Good luck, man. That's going to be awesome. Hope Marcus Smart plays. Yeah, that would really be a letdown. <laughs> you mean for the Celtics or like you're just being sarcastic? That- no, I'm saying if Marcus Smart doesn't play, I don't think things are going to go well for the Celtics. Yeah, that's a big one. No love for Peyton Pritchard. My son goes bananas every time Peyton Pritchard does anything. Same with mine. Um, <laughs> and I think it's because he knows that he's not actually as good as the other guys. And right. So, but, the, he's the underdog. Man. Yeah. All right. Let's do our news and notes here. Drew Brees is coming back or he's not. We don't know what that tweet was all about, but he said, I'm coming back or I'm not, or I'm going to be a dad or I'm coach football or something, or go back to NBC. Anyway, it's just worth addressing, I guess. But would you rather Jameis Winston or Drew Brees be their quarterback? Um, yeah, I kind of feel like you got to say Winston at this point. I think so. How can Brees be better than he was after not playing for a year? And, you know, clearly being a year older on the wrong side of 40, he's not Tom Brady rejuvenated all right would you take drew Brees, heath with your final pick in a dynasty startup um i think we need to talk about the actual tweet because i was unsatisfied with adams there's a lot of people listen to us that don't have twitter and i was i (laughs) was dissatisfied with the way adam characterized the tweet okay so so before the tweet came out there was a report that breeze was one and done at nbc sports and that he wasn't going to call games anymore right so first he shared an Instagram post said, man, signing Juice Landry and Teron Matthew makes me want to come back and play again. Great additions, leaders, and players. Then, despite speculation from media about my future, I don't know why anyone would be speculating, Drew. It's not like you just tweeted that you wanted to come back again. I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. Now, I would love him on the pickleball tour. We're talking about a potential first-round pick in pickleball fantasy leagues. I don't know. Is he too short? No, I, I, I think he can overcome that. Oh, the, the question is, is what's his mobility like? Well, can he, does he have that, that quick twitch? Oh, yeah, he's got the quick twitch. There is such a difference in that as well between the singles game and the doubles game because you, 
Like you need the quick twitch in the doubles game, but you don't need near as much stamina or mobility. Mm-hmm. Right. The singles game is, is I think where it's at. I have no idea. No idea what you guys are talking about. I, I think I know pickleball, but but not really. Uh, all right. Tennessee wide receiver Traylon Burke struggled to get through his first practice, which, you know, I thought was interesting because I know Pete Prisco said that there are some people who have concerns about Burks's weight and that he'll kind of, you know, balloon up a little bit. I don't want to put words in Pete's mouth. And then Ryan Wilson kind of shot that down, didn't agree with it. But not a great start. I think he got through his next practice just fine, but we'll keep an eye on it. Traylon Burks, a little out of shape maybe in his first practice. Better now than September. John Mishota of The Athletic thinks that Dallas wide receiver Jalen Tolbert could make the biggest impact, the biggest immediate impact of all of their rookies. All the Cowboys rookies. Right, of all of their rookies. It's not a huge headline, but I'm just wondering, are we maybe sleeping on... Jalen Tolbert a little bit. Look, the receiving core has C.D. Lamb, and you can count Dalton Schultz. Those dudes will be there. But who else is going to play wide receiver if Michael Gallup isn't ready to start the season? They've got James Washington. They've got Tolbert. Am I forgetting somebody else? Do they have anybody else that could actually displace somebody? Are you you, you joking about C.D. Lamb, or did you say Lamb? I said C.D. Lamb. I thought I did. Lamb and and uh, Schultz. I've been curious because they've been oh, okay. My bad. Really spread out over the past few years in terms of targets. We've talked about this with Lamb and what his potential upside is. And I was really curious with them letting Cooper go if they were going to have Lamb become this twenty six, twenty seven percent target share guy. If not, then it makes a lot of sense that Tolbert might be in the eighteen percent range as a rookie. Certainly to start the year, if Gallup's not ready. Okay, and Cleveland ke- uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski wanted to draft wide receiver David Bell no matter what, according to the Akron Beacon Journal. So who would you rather draft, Jalen Tolbert or David Bell? Are you saying he got a post-it note and wrote David Bell no matter what? I'm not saying that because I don't get that. Um, okay. <laughs> can I can I just be pedantic for a second? Sure. Please. Shallow and pedantic. Um. Like, words mean things, and he did not want to draft him no, no matter what. He didn't draft him until the third round. He was willing to pass on him in round two, and if somebody liked him in round two, he was okay with him not with not getting him. Or he knew that he would be more of a day three type player because he had a terrible Actually, they didn't have a pick in the first two rounds. He took two players in round three ahead of him. But I had a, sure. So maybe he, he knew that David Bell wasn't a popular guy and maybe someone who obviously didn't have the athletic profile that a lot of teams look for. Or maybe he did want to draft him no matter what, and he got overruled. He doesn't get to decide all the draft picks. He's not the GM. Andrew Barry shutting him down. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's possible. But yeah, they had picks 68 and 78 and then took him at 99. I think it's time we get into our workhorses. We're going to take a quick break and really get into the crux of the show. 23 minutes in, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we love carries, and I love yards per carry. But seriously, the role is so important. So 
basically, are they workhorses and are they good? And the first one will be probably easier to answer. But let's start with uh, with Najee Harris. Is he a workhorse this year, and is he good? Should that affect his ranking? Dave? He's definitely a workhorse. I think the Steelers look at what they've got at running back, the fact that they didn't really address it this offseason after investing so much in him last offseason, and then giving him a ton of work last year. I, I think it. I think it's obvious that as long as he's healthy, he's going to be an important part of what the Steelers do. They improve their offensive line, at least the interior of it, by bringing in James Daniels and Mason Cole. And he's a factor in the passing game. The two quarterbacks that they have are not necessarily downfield throwers. They are capable of dinking and dunking, one of whom has absolutely no NFL experience. I think you're going to see this offense lean on Najee Harris. Uh, I, I can't say more than they did last year pretty damn close to what they did last year. And that includes in the red zone. I, I think that you're going to see Najee Harris compile his way to very good fantasy numbers. And if it just so happens that the offensive line does a better job performing this year, that'll help fuel and a boost in his efficiency as well. I, he's the Of this group, he is the one I am most certain is a workhorse. And he's towards the top of the list of guys who I think are actually probably good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there's a risk that he loses targets partially because the team doesn't throw as much as they have in years past and partially because they don't have a quarter, a statue playing quarterback. Um, and so I, I think it's possible that he maybe catches 60 passes instead of 74. And then if the rushing efficiency doesn't come back, that could be a tough problem for him. Yeah, man. I, I think it's worth noting that even though he finished as a top five running back last year, and you're going to see him get drafted probably in the top eight in most leagues that he was number nine per game in non and half PPR, number eight per game in full PPR. And then the second part is, is the offense going to be better or worse this year? It was, so I think they were something like 21st in scoring. So they were not terrible, but what do you guys think? Better offense or worse offense? Because if this offense is worse, then he's, I think he's got a chance to be overdrafted. Um, yep. You know, it, because, you know, you're just not going to get a huge touchdown number in all likelihood, but, and the catch is right. 74 is a lot to expect offense, better or worse for the Steelers or the same. More likely better. I would lean better. Uh, yeah, I would okay. lean better. All right, let's talk about David Montgomery. Can get him in the third round. I should get. I'll get their NFC uh, NFC ADP in just a second. Love two straight seasons on pace for at least fifteen hundred total yards and fifty five catches. Last year per game, he was fourteenth in non PPR, fifteenth in full PPR. The year before that, per game, he was something like sixth. Uh, no, he was seventh. seventh in full PPR, ninth in, in non-PPR. So it's a big difference. I mean, I, I I really think he's such an interesting player. Heath, you like him the most. Uh, you're, you're good with Montgomery in round two. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think some of that is that the Bears' offense is going to have to be better for him to justify that. But also, like, there's so many running backs, we've talked about it, that are a couple years older than Montgomery that have question marks or that have more injury concerns than he does that are right in the same range in terms of what I expect points per game. And so like, if you can get him at the two, three turn, I think that's the perfect spot. I think he's pretty safe as a high end number two running back. And I do think he has top 10 upside. And you think he's safe as a workhorse? He's not as safe as Najee, but I would say he's the second most likely back that we're talking about to be a workhorse. Najee was second in touches per game last year among running backs. Montgomery was eighth 
if I had to predict one to slide, I, I think it would be Montgomery. I think the coaching staff is going to like what they see on film of Khalil Herbert. Remember, it's a new coaching staff this year compared to last year. And the new offensive coordinator is coming from Green Bay. So there's, there's going to be an interest in getting a second running back involved. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to be, all right, Montgomery's going to work rushing downs and then somebody else will be the passing downs guy. I think it could be mixing and matching a la Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon toward the end of last season. But I still think Montgomery will have a pretty good edge. If you draft him with the idea that he gets 15 touches per game, I think I think he'll hit that. I think he'll be right around that mark. We expect the yards per carry to be better with a mobile quarterback, and it was better. It was 3.9 for the season, I believe, and it was 4.1 in five starts with Justin Fields. And if you want to really... But that's Azer just stats, an Get the hell out of this one. Take away the first game that Justin Fields played because that was one of the worst games that a quarterback has ever played. Remember that game in Cleveland? Cleveland, Threw for right. like, like 30 yards, whatever it was. He was terrible. Take away that game, then you're up to 4.2 yards per carry. And with with Fields, it will be better. I mean, his, his efficiency will be better, most likely, with Justin Fields. We see that consistently also it's way more important that he keeps his workload than that is your like i have him at seventh in the projections right now and i have him projected at 3.9 yards per carry so Mm. that that won't have a huge impact like you're talking about maybe what five fantasy points um yeah all right uh well here's you're gonna love this he is rb19 being drafted in the fourth round in 15 drafts since May 1st in NFC, which is half PPR. That's yes, behind Brees Hall, behind Antonio Gibson, behind Cam Akers. Um, so going pretty late. No, that just tells me that there are the majority of people who are drafting right now are not giving him credit and they're chasing younger players who have a more exciting profile. He's young, though. Yeah, well, it doesn't feel that way, does he's young, it? He's young. He's probably, what, six months older than Najee? He's in his fourth season. I mean, he's in his prime. He's in his prime. He's had a lot of work on him compared to Najee and Brees Hall, of course. Okay, let's talk about Saquon Barkley. So whether or not he's good, you know, we talked about that earlier. Let's focus on the workhorse part. New coaching staff, that's awesome. But he averaged 13.4 carries per game last year. That's if you remove week five, when he barely played, he played eight snaps, I believe. So in the games that he stayed healthy, he averaged 13.4 carries per game. Later in the year, he had a four-game stretch. They finally turned him loose a little bit, 16, 15, 15, 21 carries, uh, and then only 11 carries in week 18. But weeks, uh, that'd be 14 through 17, he averaged, it was above 15 carries, 15 or more carries in all four games. But for the year, 13.4 13.4 carries for Barkley. So first of all, Dave, you look at their depth chart. I mean, they really don't have a complimentary piece to Saquon Barkley. It doesn't seem. Uh, is he a workhorse? I'm not sure he's going to be. And that's even with the 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 depth chart looking pretty good. They've got Gary Brightwell as one of their backups. Matt Breida is one of their backups. Uh, Antonio, Antonio Williams, Williams. Two of these three right. guys are former Bills. Right. So it's it's interesting how Dable's just bringing in people that he just he knows and he's worked with before. And those are going to be the guys backing up Saquon Barkley. I don't think Brian Dable is going to go full Josh Allen with Daniel Jones and say, all right, we're, we're just going to put it all on your shoulders. You'll run a lot. You'll throw a lot. And the running game will be a complimentary piece. I think he's going to use Saquon 
quite a bit, but I also think that Saquon's not going to get, he won't have many games with 20 touches. I think he's probably going to file in somewhere around 16 touches per game. Heath, what's your take on Barkley and his work? I think I have him projected pretty close. Like I, I've not really adjusted yet for the fact that they've not added anybody more than who they have. Um, I think I need to boost up his touches a little bit. I think as the roster is constructed right now, he's probably going to be a workhouse workhorse. Now, what a workhorse running back looks like in a Brian Dable offense, Dave kind of hit on it. Are they going to run the ball with their running backs? Are they going to throw the ball to their running backs? That's not something they did a whole lot of in Buffalo at all. So he might be a guy who gets a higher percentage of the running back touches than we are anticipating, but doesn't quite get to the 18 touches a game because there just aren't that many running back touches available. Yeah, and and they've had the second worst scoring offense in football each of the last two years. So if you're not getting a ton of touches and you're on a bad offense, that's a terrible formula. You need the offense to improve. So I guess what I'm asking you now is make the case that Saquon Barkley deserves to be in the third round. It's, I think, easier to make the case against him than for him. He's not. Nobody's going to advocate for him going in the first two rounds. Make the case that he should be in the third round, and do you even believe that, Dave? It's tough to believe because the case begins with, well, all he has to do is stay healthy and get the 16 touches per game that I just said, and he'll, he'll fall into good enough production. But you've got to wonder if this offense is going to put up a lot of points. I think the offensive line will be better. I like the moves that they've made. But I don't know if I, how many touchdowns are really going to be available. Does he have a shot at 15 touchdowns over the course of the year? If I said yes to that, or if you say yes to that, then he should at least be a third-round pick. But everybody's going to be worried about him getting hurt. And it's, it's totally natural to feel that way. And I feel that way a little bit, too. If, if, if he's not his old self, he's not going to be good for fantasy as a top 24 type pick. At best, he would be worth a third round pick as a number two fantasy running back. Yeah. I just looked it up. Last year, the Bills were 30th in total running back opportunities. That's rush attempts plus targets. The year before, they were 31st. Yeah, you have to go back to... Five years ago, well, five seasons ago for Brian Dable. I, I went through every year where he's been an offensive coordinator and looked at the catches for the running backs. And uh, Devin Singletary had 38 in 2020. He had 40 in 2021. The last time someone had more than 40 catches was 2012, which uh, was, was before Buffalo, the last time Dable was an offensive coordinator. And that was yeah. with the Chiefs. That was Dexter McCluster. They actually had a ton of running back catches that year. McCluster, Jamal Charles, Sean Drone, Peyton Hillis, they had well over 100. Um, but yeah, with the Bills, you didn't get a lot of running back catches. That's for sure. Um, all right, so... But yeah. he, I don't think he necessarily loved who he had there for that role. Right. He could, he could take one look at Saquon as a pass catcher and say, yeah, this guy's got it. He, he can still make an impact in space. Yes. And I would agree with that. I thought that he had a number of plays last year where he was either close to breaking one or did break a big play through the air. Um, percentage of receptions by running backs in Dable's offenses, it was north of 20% every year from 2009 through 2019 that he was a play caller. The last two years in Buffalo, way down. And I think that's because of Josh Allen. I will just say that um, yards per target – Average for a running back is about six. 
he was Saquon six as a rookie, six his second year. Um, last year he averaged four point six yards per target. I he's think just, he's been miserable the last two years, yeah, really, since that high ankle sprain. I think that if you're making a case for Barkley, it's just he hasn't been healthy for two years. You know, he's played hurt. Right. He's either gotten hurt or played hurt, and. There's only so far that that goes with me. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the same thing for Zeke, who's the next guy we're going to talk about. But you have to believe that there's still a great player there in Barkley if he can just stay healthy. And I, I don't know. Who, I don't know how many people believe that at that point. Plus, the, the team is just so bad on paper that I don't know. Things have to really change there for Barkley. Now, Zeke is next. In his last 12 games, including the postseason, he had one carry that went longer than 13 yards. That blows my mind. One carry in his last 12. And it was a 26-yard run against the backup Philadelphia Eagles in week 18. This guy stunk for 75% of the year. But he played that entire time with a torn PCL, a partially torn PCL. So you look at his first five games, and he got hurt in week four. Look at his first four games, first five games. This guy was a stud, Ezekiel Elliott. He was Mm. awesome. He was explosive again. He was scoring a ton of touchdowns. He was a league-winning type player, even with that dud in week one against Tampa Bay. But he got hurt, and it's two years in a row. He's played hurt. Plus, the year before that, he didn't have Dak. So you can make excuses for Zeke. So I'll ask you, is he good? Is he a a workhorse? Heath, you can have the first word. The hardest thing for me is, like, I want to say no, he's not a workhorse because Tony Pollard's there. But then you look last year, Tony Pollard was there. And you look at Zeke's touches per game, and yes, he was a workhorse. So I think, um, especially with Cooper gone, that Zeke is probably still going to be a workhorse as long as he can stay healthy. I don't, I don't think they're going to hand the reins to Tony Pollard um, unless unless Zeke gets hurt or is just miserable for the first month of the season. I expect him to come in healthy and and be relatively productive. You nailed it. From November on, Zeke averaged 14.6 touches per game, and that includes the game without Pollard. Pollard averaged 10.6 touches per game. Two games so without Pollard, the, I think. Though. They they were close, but Zeke had more. They gave him the ball more. It's going to come down to how spry is he this year and how willing is the coaching staff to veer back toward riding him and limiting Tony Pollard because they might have seen enough from Pollard last year, and they might see enough of Zeke in practice this summer to say, all right, we've just we got to get Pollard more involved. He's more elusive. He can make bigger plays. We need that element on the field a little bit more. And Zeke will work in more of a traditional running downs role. Now, in saying all that, there was an interesting tweet from Ed Werder uh, three days ago saying that uh, he here's the tweet. Ezekiel Elliott watched rookies following his workout. He played most of last season with a partial PCL tear. Asked if Elliott is fully healthy, Coach Mike McCarthy said, quote, I would hope so. I was looking at the GPS yesterday. Elliott reached 22 miles yeah. per hour on Tuesday. I saw that, yeah. So I, that's a little encouraging that, you know, just running around, he's not obviously playing in a football game. He's hitting 22 miles an hour. That would suggest that whatever was ailing him physically – is in the rear view at this point. We're just you've got to keep tabs on what you hear out of Dallas in training camp because if we hear more and more stuff like that, that would encourage me that Zeke is going to be ready at least to begin the season like he did last season. And hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully the offensive line also stays healthy 
and Zeke gets one more chance to be the workhorse. I want to rewind off of Zeke for a second. I'm going back like three running backs, but I made a joke earlier in the show that David Montgomery was only six months older than Najee Harris. And so I looked it up to see how far off my joke was. David Montgomery is nine months older than Najee Harris. (laughs) Yeah, he's not old for sure. And I mean, even Zeke, like Zeke is still young enough. What is he, 27? That's still a perfect, yeah, he's going to be 27 years old in July. I mean, that's a perfectly fine year. He's probably not going to be a top five running back, but... Uh, when you compare Zeke and Barkley, I think I think they're an interesting comparison, right? Because you think you you could say if they stay healthy, they could still be good players, maybe great, but you have serious health concerns about both of them. Barkley misses a lot of time. Zeke plays through injuries, but he's been hobbled. But Barkley has no competition in his backfield, and Pollard, I mean, just based on the numbers, Pollard looks like a guy that deserves to be unleashed. Maybe maybe that's just because he hasn't had huge work, but he has been. Look, the advanced metrics love him. The regular metrics love Pollard. He's been explosive. He should play more. But at the same time, go look at the red zone, green zone, inside the five carries. Zeke owns that. Yep. So I don't know. As we talk out loud, I don't understand why Zeke goes after Barkley. I think it's because people think Barkley has that backfield to himself and Zeke doesn't. But every other factor favors Zeke to me. So I don't know. Who do you, who do you guys like? Uh, like is not a word I'd want to use with either one. <laughs> um, I've got Barkley ahead of Zeke in the projections, but I want to rank Zeke higher. So, yeah, I think the thing is, like, Barkley's probably going to get more touches, but Zeke's on a good offense, and if he's good, he I think he has more upside. Dave? I agree, com- I agree completely with Heath on this one, but I also think that as things stand right now, based on last year, is Saquon healthier and in a better spot than Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I think he is. So I've he just ran right twenty-two higher. miles an hour. How can anybody be healthier? How, how, how fast is Saquon Barkley right now? If he was twenty-three miles per hour, right? So now, see, Saquon's <laughs> better. But if it turns into fourteen miles an hour, and he's cruising around like me on a bicycle, then he's going to be, you know, at the back of the line. Training camp's going to be really important. Yeah, it will. Reports be. are going to be important. We're not going to see these guys play in the preseason. They will probably get some reps in joint practice sessions if they have them. Dallas usually does. Keep an eye on it. It's going to be fluid. For now, Saquon over Zeke, but could flip in on a moment's notice. All right, I'm just going to say one last thing, and then we'll move on. Ezekiel Elliott, double check. I believe he had six catches in each of the two games that Amari Cooper did not play. And actually, yeah, he did. And Lamb missed half one of those games, but... His catches were not very consistent, and it was a little bit concerning. But since they haven't really replaced Cooper, that might help Zeke stay in that 50-catch range. All right, how Pollard about... can catch, too. I know he hasn't necessarily shown it consistently, not like Zeke has, but he can catch. Yeah. How about Cam Akers? Workhorse? This is another, another guy I got to watch. Or good. Is he, is he either one? Dave? I fear that the addition of Kyron Williams is a sign from the Rams coaching staff that they want to start using a committee and that the days of them leaning on one running back are on hold for now. Akers got that opportunity in the playoffs. He was horribly inefficient. He didn't look very good. He, he had maybe like five or six plays where he had some juice in his legs. I can forgive him because he's coming off of an Achilles tear five months sooner than he should have. But I'm still I, I, I gotta see it from him. If I if his, if his training camp looks good, he's 
rocketing ahead of all these guys that we're talking about. Not all, obviously not Najee, for example, but he's, he's got a chance to be in a great position to rack up stats. If he proves to his coaches that he can be a three down guy and kind of change their minds about using multiple running backs. My, my current expectation is he's not a workhorse running back. Um, and I don't think after 150 carries over two seasons, anybody knows if he's good yet. Um, like he had basically a five game stretch, five and a half game stretch where he was awesome, but that's all we've seen from him in two years. Sounds pretty familiar to me. Who do you think? David Montgomery? Yeah. (laughs) Well, except for the fact that David Montgomery's played like 40 football games. I know, and that's even worse that he's only had a six-game stretch where he's been, you know, extraordinary. Extraordinary, sure. Well, that he's really stood out. He's just been a guy, basically, for the other games. I don't know if that's true or not, but he's also a workhorse, and I don't think Cam Akers is. (laughs) That is true. Uh, Akers, Barkley, Zeke, who's your favorite? Barkley's ranked the highest. Barkley right now. Okay. Oh, man, I got a lot more here. James Conner. Fun fact about James Conner. He has been on the second worst run blocking team in the NFL in two straight seasons. Pittsburgh in 2020 and Arizona in 2021. Is James Conner a workhorse? And is he good? I do believe he's a workout horse, and I think he is good at the one thing that really matters for running backs, and that's catching passes and doing things after the catch. He was astonishing in those games without Chase Edmonds. Some of the catches he made, some of the highlight real plays he made, he was very good catching the ball when he was in Pittsburgh. And so I don't know if he's good as – I don't know what his YPC is going to be this year, but he's going to score the touchdowns, and he's really good at catching the ball, and he's got very little around him in terms of competition. And so I think he will be a workhorse and he will be good. I'm worried about the red zone competition and I'm not talking about other running backs. I'm talking about Marquise Brown now being there. Um, Hopkins will eventually be back. The addition of Trey McBride along with Zach Ertz. Those are two big tight ends. Plus Kyle Murray can run it in. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure he's, in fact, (laughs) he scored 18 total touchdowns last year, right? Is that right? Yeah, 17, yeah. 18? 15 rushing, I think. I'm pretty sure between that stuff and his own health issues that he's not going to hit that mark again this year. And so first and foremost, you probably should project him to score around half as many. And then if that's the case, he needs to see an uptick in rushing efficiency just to have a chance to come close to matching what he did last year. Now, I think we've got it ranked appropriately. We're not putting him as a top five or top 10 fantasy running back. But I think you've should probably lean on him more as a high-end number two guy, maybe even a middle-end number two guy, because there are some some flaws. I, I will say that the, the Cardinals have been much better at running the ball in the red zone than they have been throwing the ball in the red zone since Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have been there. And over the last three seasons, they've averaged 18.3 running back touchdowns per season. I don't think there's too many running backs on the roster that are taking those from Connor. No, it's it's about other players taking them from Connor. I'm just to me it just comes down to is he gonna is he gonna be the passing downs back? Because you know, if he if he is not the passing downs back and the touchdowns go down, then you're looking at maybe a Kenyon Drake season from a couple years ago where Drake was not even a top twenty running back per game. Barely caught the ball and 
you know, the touchdowns were good, but the, you know, the efficiency wasn't great. I mean, Connor might get worse, but I don't think we have any reason to think that Kenyon Drake's as good as James Connor. No, I disagree with you. I think at that point in Kenyon Drake's career, he was awesome the year before when he got traded to Arizona. He was really good with the Dolphins per carry. If I he was recall, a, he was a part time back his entire career, and then he, he like, but he was always my, efficient. We were really excited, and and he was great with the Cardinals. So I right, we, he we had were like dra- eight touchdowns. We were drafting games, him in the second like round. He he happened to. I, I think you might be right that we were maybe we were wrong in thinking that, but he was okay. a second round draft pick that year. There was a ton of hype. He ended up being a really big bust. Yeah, I'm just saying that like James Conner has proven enough to where we shouldn't. Just all acknowledge that he's better than at football than Kenyon Drake. Yeah, but there's also a guy who had like very little market for him two straight off seasons, and 3.7 yards per carry. I mean, that's why I bring it up. I just wonder is he on his last legs? And he's kind of, he's only 26, I think, right? So he got a big deal this year, right? Yeah, but, I'll look it up to but, see what uh, exactly what the deal was. I don't know. I mean, it took a while, right? And it doesn't seem like I thought he was the second running back signed after Chase Edmonds. I don't know. I guess I'm remembering. Yeah, thirteen and a half million guaranteed. Over what for three years? Three years. Three years. Well, Twenty-one million. Thirteen and a half million guaranteed. Um, salaries the next two years are guaranteed. So he's getting. I don't think any running back got million more than a year. Him. No, but right. Well, I guess the, every running back is kind of a slow market these days, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Um, I mean, I mean, look, that's a fair point. Arizona did did pony up for him to a degree. It's not it's not a huge deal, but it's big in running back terms. Uh, I don't know, but I, I guess it just seems like he might not be a great rusher anymore. But uh, could just be an offensive line issue. All right, Josh Jacob. Josh Jacobs is next. He was per game 18th in non PPR, 17th in full PPR or half PPR, 14th in full PPR last year. Heath is Josh Jacobs a workhorse, and is he good? I think this is the biggest one we have questions about about, about whether he will be a workhorse because he, I mean he really has been for the last two years, but that role in the passing game is not one traditionally that the Patriots have given to their lead rusher. And if Josh McDaniel follows that path, then I think Jacobs is probably just a touchdown dependent number two running back, um, and not a workhorse. But and he hasn't really shown anything efficiency-wise, I don't think that would make you want to throw the ball to him a ton. It's going to come down to whether they use Kenyon Drake or Brandon Bolden in that role. Um, I, I'm concerned he's not a workhorse. I do think he's good, not great. He's right between Barkley and Zeke in my rankings. He's been in the NFL for three years. How many of those three years has he finished in as a top 12 running back in PPR points per game? Once. Nunce. 17th, 14th, 15th. Draft accordingly. Heath's right. It, it it would be a shockeroo if Josh Jacobs were to pick up a lot of catches this year. Shockeroo. <laughs> it would be because Josh McDaniels comes from New England and he's very much wants to split up the division of labor with those running backs, and he should. They also drafted Zamir White, who's I don't, I don't think he red shirts this year. I think he could take some work off of Josh Jacobs. It'll be low-value touches at first. But I, I could see Josh Jacobs seeing a slight downturn in carries, a significant downturn in catches, and you got to hope that he scores a lot of touchdowns. The thing with him is that he's always he's always come through in games that the Raiders win, 
I would imagine that the Raiders are in line to win a decent amount of games this year. They're going to be a competitive team. All right, Elijah Mitchell breaks the mold here a little bit because he actually had a great YPC, 4.7 yards per carry, San Francisco running back, not too surprising there, but that's really good. And he, he had a great season, and he was a little bit worse than Josh Jacobs per game, but he also had 17 carries or more in 9 of 11 games, and that is a workhorse right there, Elijah Mitchell. So, Dave... Do you think Mitchell keeps that workhorse role, which we just have not seen for a full season for 49ers running back in quite some time? You you see the workhorse role in spurts from 49ers running backs, and that's what happened to Mitchell last year. And when he had the opportunity, he was great in it. But he, he had multiple points in the year where he was out because of injury. And so I'm sure that's going to weigh on the 49ers, and I'm sure the 49ers are going to use multiple running backs because they've done it every single year, and it's been a different running back that leads the way for their offense every single year. So trying to figure out who that guy would be, would it seems like a thoughtful exercise for people to do before they go into their fantasy drafts, but it's it's almost going to be fruitless because we would have never thought that Elijah Mitchell would have been that guy last year. We thought it would be Trey Sermon. And that's why he was going with a top 85 pick in fantasy drafts last year. And then he ended up being a total scrub. And Mitchell was the one who took over. The The one difference with Mitchell compared to other running backs under Shanahan in San Francisco is that he's young. And so maybe that works in his favor a little bit more. And he ends up being given maybe just like a little bit more of a leash to go and be that main guy for them at least on running downs and in high value opportunities. But I, I, you know, the odds are kind of against him. I I think another running back that you just, you can't look at and say he's a top 12 guy and another guy that you can't look at and say, yeah, he's going to be a workhorse. He might have six games this year where he's a workhorse, but he might also have six games where he's clearly splitting and then he'll probably be out for the other six games. 18 game season. All right. Okay, five, <laughs> five games. He's All out. right, Heath, what do you think about Mitchell? Is he going to be a workhorse? I, no one has any idea. Well, I mean, work- you look at the history of Shanahan, and you have a pretty decent idea, right? I think don't agree um, with that. I don't agree with that. Oh, you so this is going to be like the whole Patriots actually do feature running backs thing? Uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Because they, I've each of the last two years with Fournette and and Mitchell. They did make the effort. Just those guys couldn't stay healthy. I mean, I said Fournette, I'm sorry. Uh, Mostert. Mostert. Fournette's right. the last guy we're talking about. Mostert and Mitchell, they made the effort, but they couldn't stay healthy. And again, to have 17 or more carries in 9 of 11 games, they treated him like a workhorse. Now, I'm not saying that he will be. I don't think he will be. I just, to sit here and say that Elijah Mitchell will be a workhorse running back, it just seems too bold. But I do think that the 49ers have shown a willingness to do it over the last two seasons, but the guys couldn't hold up. I think it's dependent upon how much work Trey Sermon um, has put on to be what they thought he was when they drafted him and um, and whether Mitchell can stay healthy, probably. Well, another factor is Lance. You know, He played two games. Mitchell played two games with Trey Lance as the quarterback, and he had nine carries in one of them, and Lance had 16. In the other, Mitchell had 21 carries, and Lance had eight. Uh, and another factor is Debo. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the eight carries per game, but I don't even know he's going to be there. But does Lance increase or decrease the carries for Mitchell or stay the same? I'll stay stay the same because they will run more, but he'll get a smaller percentage. 
Okay. All right. Can you explain that for a sec? The team will run more of Lance's quarterback because Lance because, is the quarterback. Right. Yeah. But Lance will take a higher percentage of the carries, so Mitchell won't actually have more. I see. That's a horrible okay. sound in here. What is that horrible sound? Somebody moving something? Yeah, all right, it stopped. Whoever it was. You're in trouble. Last one's Fournette. He was a workhorse last year. Any reason to think he won't be one this year, Heath? Uh, this slight, a slight reason. Rashad White um, says that he's competing for the starting job. Now, he's a rookie playing with Tom Brady, so I don't think the likelihood's very high, but there's a slight concern. Well, that's just a Heath side. <sighs> Dave, uh, any concern? Why? You know, I don't know why they brought in Giovanni Bernard last year if they just didn't want to use him. That that was so weird to me. I wonder they if they brought him back this year. I know. I, so that's the thing. Like, will they, without Bruce Arians, will they use a true third down back? Does that factor in at all? Uh, the the quotes think? that came in, t- is it yesterday or the day before? I think it was from Leftwich, basically indicated that the problem with taking Fournette off the field was, is Tom Brady. Ah. I don't think Tom wants Fournette to come off the field. Well, that's good. Yeah, that makes me want to get Fournette even more. 27 years old, um, proven in this offense to be very good, can catch the ball. The competition for playing time is Geo, who's basically a a third down back that the team doesn't want to use a lot of. Rashad White, who has no experience at the pro level. And Keyshawn Vaughn, who had one really good run last year. I think this is among the best workhorses that you could draft this year. And I think he's worth the second round pick. Silly as it sounds, because two or three years ago, Fournette was left for dead in fantasy circles. All right. That's it for our show today. Thank you very much. On Thursday, we will talk about, we're going to have a debate. It's either going to be Cup versus Chase versus Jefferson or Pitts versus Waller versus Kittle. We haven't decided. We're also going to talk about Dynasty tight ends and read your emails and your Apple podcast questions. So send your emails to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I. And your Apple podcast questions, just put them on Apple. That's A-P-P-L-E. Thanks, Dave and Heath. And I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you on Thursday on Fantasy Football Today.